Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. 1 John 4.19. Let's go there. Um, here it is. We love Him because He first loved us. Again, we love him because he first loved us. This week I felt like uh, God just gave me something for us to really think about, ponder for just a minute. He said this, the people God called to be loved and to love have become spectators in a world they were created to conquer. You and I were created to be participators in the greatest love story, the greatest display of demolishing chaos and disorder on the earth. But oftentimes we sit back not fully understanding how this whole thing is supposed to play out. Look at it. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Romans 8, 19 says this. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful side of the sons and daughters of God coming into their own. One translation says, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. All of creation, all of creation is waiting with bated breath, so to speak, for you and I to grasp the reality of the outrageous love of God and to actually put it on display to the world around us. They're waiting like excited, and there is something God is desiring to awaken us to and to activate in our lives with consistency, and it is so unbelievable and radical, it's crazy. It reminds me of when Jesus asked John in John 21, 15 through 17, three times, he says, do you love me? Of course I love you. Peter, do you? You love me. Yes, yes. Jesus asked him again, do you love me? And Peter gets frustrated. But Jesus is after something. And I believe he's asking us a question today that you need to take to heart. I believe he's looking at each one of us and he's asking this question over and over again. Do you know I love you? Yes, yes, I, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. No. Do you know I love you? Do you know I love you? Man, I want you for a second just to imagine that God is thinking about you in this moment. All right? Those of you joining us online, imagine God's thinking about you. What do you assume he feels when you come to mind? And why? Is it disappointment? Is it frustration? Anger? Is it disgust? Is it, she's a good girl, he's a good boy, or he's a bad boy, or he's a bad, bad girl? Like, what is it? And why do you feel that way? I would submit to you that the reason why we end up playing what's uh, referred to commonly as daisy petal Christianity, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. I went on an outreach, he loves me. Um, I haven't been to church in a few months, he loves me not. I was, was very faithful at doing this activity. He loves me, right? We all play this game 
that wreaks havoc on the depth of relationship that God desires to have with us because all of it is rooted in self-centeredness, which is what Jesus came to solve, us being centered on ourselves. He decided the source of our lives is not ourselves, but we do it. We do it oftentimes. That's where, where we get sort of uh, the uh, bandwidth to be able to continue on. I'm going I'm to do this so much and God's going to like me. But you're sitting here in this room. You've come today, I believe, not just to evaluate the words that I will share or to endure it. You came here for a reason. I came here for a reason. You and I are sitting in this room or watching online and we are saying, Brad, move me, inspire me, scare me. Like just whatever you do, do not leave me the same way that I came in through these doors today. And I'm with you. I'm with you. We're, we're not here to simply evaluate and take a few points. We're here to be radically transformed and get in the glorious game of creating and manifesting the love of God on this earth. Amen, Brad. That's, thank you. Appreciate that. Listen, we all, in the last two weeks, in a very intimate uh, ending of our series in my home on extremely intimate sex, what I saw and realized is that so many of us, our lives are a tale of two mirrors. One is a mirror uh, that is unclear. The, the clutter and the chaos and the abandonment and the abuse and the trauma and the bad decisions and the good decisions and all of this stuff is is a mirror that is unclear. And God invites us to look at the other mirror, the mirror of God's word, James calls it, where we might see clearly and understand fully who we are, why we are, and be able to begin to dive in and revel in that reality. What I've realized is that yours and my behavior is always a reflection of our identity. Now, let me give you an interesting story that took place about a week and a half ago. Um, at this point, I'm 46 years old, and I have to work out at 4.30 in the morning. I don't think I'm impressive because I do it. It's just when you're this old and your kids like, have so many activities, you don't have any more juice after work uh, and dealing with all their activities to actually do that. So I have to. So I went to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. I arrived. I got to meet up with a good friend of mine. We connected and got out of the gym. And it was, it was dark when I parked my car. And uh, as I was driving away, I noticed that there was a note that was on my windshield. And um, I was driving away and I noticed it. So I stopped the car, got out, and I grabbed the note on the windshield. And I'd like to share it with you. It's powerful. I'd like to share it with you. Um, it starts off this way. You blank. Learn to park between the lines, blank, blank. <laughs> Blessed me. Um, the truth is, it was dark when I went to the gym and my tire was over the line. I have a truck and it was over the line. So, yes, there was an infraction on my part. But what actually happened is as I was reading the note, I mean, I was just coming out of a great week, a great day, had a great 
connection with my buddy and great conversation afterwards. And my response is what actually shocked me because I was like, that is, that is hilarious. Who, who at this early in the morning is that upset? And if you're here, I'm so sorry. I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm for you, not against you. And my mind, you know, now I'm not going to tell you that I didn't for a moment have just a little bit of frustration. Thought maybe I should walk in that gym and be like, whose note is this? Let's have a conversation. But in reality, there was something in my heart like, what, what, what was going on in that person's life that they would take so much energy to write that note? I bet, I bet there's some chaos. I've been there. You've been there. Yet the other side of that reality was that I was in a place of feeling connected and loved and valued that my response to it also allowed me to realize that there was something taking place reconditioning my reflexes in my heart which was an understanding of God's love and value for me. Behavior is always a byproduct of beliefs. And we will never consistently behave in a manner inconsistent with what we believe about ourselves. And you can actually add there, and God. Now, growing up, I don't know if you're like me, but um, sometimes things got very complicated in really understanding how to walk things out in relationship with God because of that daisy petal, he loves me, he loves me not um, perspective. And I remember somebody uh, encouraging me to read 1 Corinthians thir uh, 13, 4 through 8, known as the love chapter. Let me read it to you and then tell you how they encouraged me to read it. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's great. But I was challenged, and the reason why we've gotten to a place of instability in walking with the Lord, because people challenged me to replace the word love with my name. Let's do that for a second. Let's read this with your name in the blank. Here it is. Brad is patient, Brad is kind, Brad does not envy, Brad does not boast, Brad is not proud, Brad does not dishonor others, not self-seeking. At this point, you should be feeling like I do, Brad is a liar. Brad is not those things. And that encouragement is out of order. It's not that that isn't possible, but the order is wrong. And what that perspective did is it caused me to have a performance perspective that actually eroded my relational confidence with God. Because as I stared at that verse in my inadequacies and looked at a standard that I was not able to uphold, I felt like a loser. Did you know that you and I had to learn to be losers? On this earth, we've had to learn through the circumstances and situations and voices and beautiful, wonderful notes that have been passed to us. We've learned to be losers many times. But here's what I got. I started to realize that this passage is not referring to a love that I can produce. It is referring to a love you and I cannot resist. And the proper way to read that passage is not to put your name in it first. It is to put God's name my Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, however you want to title it, because, let's read it again, my Father is patient. 
Oh, man. Anybody? Has God been patient with you? My father is kind. So kind. It is his kindness that has led me time and time again to change my thinking, to realize and recognize that his ways are higher. They're birthed out of something greater and deeper. My father doesn't envy, he doesn't boast, he's not proud, he does not dishonor others, he's not self-seeking, not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Can I get a thank you? You're not excited about this enough. Does not delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. My father never fails. When this perspective began to occupy my attention and then caught my affection, things began to shift. And I began to realize that there is a beautiful order to the way God lays things out that he invites us to follow. And it's complete. And when we understand that God is a God of order, his order makes way for beauty. God's a God of process. He wants us to see things clearly and see them in their proper order because if something is not in order, we call that being out of order or chaos. You with me? So for the next two weeks, I want to talk about reordering a couple of things, and we're going to just do a mini-series titled Align with His Design. And this week, today, we're going to talk about living fully loved by God. This is first. And then next week, we're going to talk about living as royal heirs of God. And when we're talking about alignment, we're not talking about perfection, we're talking about order, right? God has an order. And I've brought this up to you before, like legalism has an order, which most of us, if we've heard about or we've actually been involved in church in some way, comes up often because the order of legalism is first behavior, then being, then identity, and then relationship. So we spend a lot of time on behavior modification, but that is out of order. Well, Brad, are you saying that our behavior doesn't matter? It just doesn't matter first. Because the proper order of grace is first relationship. God loves your face off. God loves you. God wants to be your friend. God wants to talk to you. You and I have to grasp and understand the soil that God has planted our roots in, his love. So relationship, then identity, we're royal heirs of God, created in the image of God, carry his presence on the inside of us, created to bring shalom to the earth out of relationship. Not out of striving, not out of trying to make God happy. The Holy Spirit is not a pinata and you say the right words and sing the right song and a piece of candy falls. All that stuff has confused us. Then being, we can rest in that. And then behavior. Behavior is a byproduct of belief. So I ask again, do you know how loved you really are? Here's what I know about God to start us off. God is the ultimate lover. You may not understand that. You may not have that perspective, but God is the ultimate lover. Genesis to Revelation. And sometimes we need someone to clear the clutter so that we can see things accurately. That's what the kingdom is, a way of seeing a way of thinking, a way of believing, a way of speaking. 
And so I ask you, is how you see God how God is? Maybe, maybe not. Because here's what I know about the human heart and the human condition. We all want a lover. We all want a lover. One who loves. That's what we want. We seek it out. We search it out in accomplishments and cars. When my brother was uh, 16 years old, he had a 1967 red, cherry red uh, Mustang. He loved that thing. I mean, and I would go as far, which may sound controversial, but he, he made love to that thing. <laughs> he created love. What do you mean, Brad? He washed it, painted its emblems all the time. He actually has a complete uh, album of, of that car. This is where we were on our first date. <laughs> Inanimate objects. We find it in relationships, but really it's not so far-fetched. We all want someone who would climb a mountain just to be with us. It's the greatest desire of our hearts. We're not bad. We might just need to understand how God ordered things so that we could find the beauty of his order and the health behind it. When I was growing up, I'm a little embarrassed to bring up this story, but my parents got divorced when I was two. Um, and my dad had gotten remarried. And when I would go to stay with him during the summer for a couple of weeks, I would have to go into the guest bathroom. And in the guest bathroom were these towels that said something on it. And every time I saw them, I rolled my eyes and I was like, just very embarrassed by them. And here's what they said, world's greatest lover. No, no child wants to see that, okay? But as I've gotten older, you know, one of the things that I've recognized is what a, what a great gift for somebody to give to you, for sure. You know, as awkward as it is, is, is for me as a child, but the reality is, is that is great. And the funny thing is, my dad is a great lover in the sense that he loves unconditionally. He's been an incredible uh, supporter and encouragement to me. And even though that that isn't fully true, there is a lover who is the world's greatest lover, and it's God. Let me read some passages about him. Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Psalms 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete. Then, by grasping the love of God, with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And of course, we know John 3.16. But we treat it as insignificant often. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The quality of life that God possesses. You know, John 17, 3, it says, this is life eternal, 
Now, that's, that's not talking about going to heaven. The actual translation is, this is the quality of life that God possesses, that he gives to us to experience here and now. This is it, that we may know him. See, we have a lot of believers in God. We don't have a lot of knowers. Because oftentimes we think it is about understanding doctrine and theology. Listen, God's goal in Scripture is not theology. Theology is important. It's not that important. God's goal, by what I just read for you and I to grasp and understand from Genesis to Revelation, is the reality of two things. God's greatest desire for you is love and life. I don't care who told you. Theology is just the study of God's character and his nature. And it's important. It's foundational. But it's not relational. Why? Because God created you and I to have an intimate, experiential relationship with God. That's why I don't need you to be here and evaluate my message or endure it. I need you to experience it and hear what God is saying to the depth of your heart. Remember, Scripture says, 1 Corinthians 8.1, Yet mere knowledge causes people to be puffed up, to bear themselves loftily and be uh, proud. I mean, I know a lot of people that are phenomenal and have degrees in theology, but they're dense in the reality of their relationship with God and their ability to display it to others. How do you know, Brad? Because they control. And they shame. And they levy weight on people. I know. I just know. How do you know? Because I've been doing this for a while, walking this out in my own life. They don't have a reality of their relationship with God. But it goes on to say, but love, love, affection and goodwill and benevolence edifies builds up and encourages one to grow to his full stature. That's the work that God has. And that's his goal. All right? It's great. It's great that we can have more knowledge and more information. The problem is if, if it's disconnected from relationship, we're missing the point. What's the problem that Jesus came to solve? Disconnection from God. Relation, relational disconnection from God. Well, let's, let's just ask this question. Like, Brad, what is love? Right? I mean, God is love, but not all love is God. But God is love, the essence and nature. It's not one of his emotions. It is the essence of who he is. So what does that mean? His is the type and essence of love that values, that considers precious, that holds in high regard and high esteem, the worth and the value that comes in the love that come from God are one and the same thing. I mean, think about it for just a second. Who has made you feel valued, precious, held in high regard? You've, you've had a snapshot. But human love is incapable of consistently providing that quality of love. Why, Brad? Because it eventually will come back to self. But God's love is just that good. Do you know it? Do you know and feel and experience that love consistently? Because if you do, you'll walk in a confidence and you will be able to handle all the chaos and the clutter that we're surrounded with in a completely different way and different exp expression. You know when the Bible says, love casts out fear, it actually adds something before love. Do you know what that is? Perfect 
love casts out fear. The Bible has a lot to say about perfect love or completed love. And I want you to understand that before you walk out of here. Because it's, it's not just that God is love. It's that he has an intention with his love. Let's read it. Ephesians 3.19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. 1 John 2, 5, but whoever habitually keeps his word and obeys his precepts and treasures his message in its entirety, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. It is completed and has reached maturity. By this we know for certain that we are in him. Certainty, authority. 1 John 4, 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. The Amplified says, is completed and perfected in us. And then 2 Corinthians 13, we could, dozens of scriptures. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And in the God, in the God of love and peace will be with you. But Brad, doesn't Colossians tell us that we're complete in Christ Jesus? Yeah. So what is this talking about? Well, I think if we want to understand it, then just giving you the clarity on it is going to help you. Here's what completed or perfect love is. Love that is given and received. And the person who receives it is able to respond to the giver of it and pass it on to others. It's the circle of love. <laughs> the circle of love. That's perfect love. That's the kind of love that casts out fear. Love that is given and received. We know it's been given, but has it been received? And I would venture to say that for many of us, it is not something that we receive consistently. Well, how do you know, Brad? Because every conversation I have with so many is them constantly looking in the mirror that is so unclear because of pain and shame instead of looking into the mirror of God's affection and God's love and God's value. Love given, love received. Love that is known, felt, and experienced. This is completed love. God desires for you and I to feel in our emotions, our love and our value. So God's the ultimate lover. Here's something else you gotta know. God always goes first. Always and forever, God goes first. God is the greatest leader and lover. And he never asks us to do something that he has not first done for us. It's the lens by which we should always read the scripture. Every story starts with God going first. That's why it is out of order to read a story and ask ourselves the question, what is this saying about me? The first question should always be, what is this saying about God? When you read the book of Hosea, where God asks Hosea, the prophet, to marry a prostitute, and Hosea immediately goes out and marries Gomer. They have three kids together. She then goes back to being a prostitute and is unfaithful again. Hosea goes back, not out of obligation, but because he loves her, he buys her back, he redeems her, and he brings her home and loves the hell out of her. It's true. This is the story of God's pursuit of you and I. You and I are the unfaithful ones. 
And even after God has come to marry us as the groom and us as the bride, we're unfaithful. And God somehow, some way, redeems us and buys us back and loves us. God goes first. Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, which for years we've read, focused and fixated on a rebellious son. It's the wrong order. Sure, that's there, but it's not first. And first is really important. We love him because he first loved us. The story isn't about sons who are missing the mark and need to get their act together as much as it is about a father who has a love that is absolutely cannot be, or unresistible, can't be resisted. The emphasis is on the son who's telling the story, Jesus, and he's telling everybody about how good his father is. That small perspective shift takes me away from performance and puts it fully fixated on the God of unbelievable, outrageous love towards me. Anything. The Pearl of Great Price. If you've read that in Matthew 13, 44 or 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, bought, he had and he bought it. And yes, this tells us how to pursue a relationship with God, but it tells us how God first pursued us as the pearl of great price. We are always the object of God's affection. And God is always treating you and I like the precious pearl, like the prodigal who's gone away and he runs to put a robe and a ring and sandals on his feet. Because that's what he is. Well, so what do we do, Brad? I mean, get it. We get it. God is love. Thanks. I've known that for a long time. Mm, I don't think so. Well, the first thing that we have to do is we have to receive his love. Whatever we seek first organizes our life. And it is time for us to let the Lord be the lover of our souls. And it's something that we have to master, living loved by God. Is this how you think God sees you? Is this how you wake up every morning of your life responding to that? There's two kinds of love. There's love that seeks value in its object, that seeks validation, and there's love that creates value in the object that it loves. Let me explain this. When my daughter Angelina was little, she had this, this silky blanket that she loved. And over time, that blanket got so dirty and nasty and torn to shreds and gross, but my daughter loved that blanket with the kind of love that created value in the object of her affection. We will never be able to get rid of that thing. But that's the type of love that God loves you with. And it's almost unbelievable, isn't it? God loves you and creates value in the object of his affection. And to be able to receive that love, it must be received with consistency. And it's like a muscle that needs to be developed. And that's what God's after with you and I. He's after a relationship. 1 John 3, 1. See, that's the first step. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Ephesians 5.1 gives us even more clarity on how to do this. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly, what? Loved children. Requires that we go back. We've, we've talked about this before. I'd encourage some of you who've had some failings in your life or some things that you're not so proud of and poor decisions and you seem to be constantly going back and forth to that or something you're not proud of in yourself, like take a four or five-year-old picture of yourself and remind yourself what it was like before all of that chaos and hurt and clutter. You need to reconnect with that little boy or little girl so that that innocence can be restored and then let the father love you as a little child. What does it say? Live a life of love as just as Christ loved us. It's not a concept to be intellectualized. This is a reality to be embraced. And this is why I said like the doctrine of love doesn't produce life and relationship. It just produces technical believers who can list off scriptures. But the experience and the revelation of love produces relationally loved, valued, held in high regard, high esteem, precious people who in turn love others and let it overflow out of their lives. And what I shared with you, the story about that letter on my car, was me just telling you that I was actually in that week experiencing a measure of it, which allowed me to respond. Do I always? No. But I'll tell you this. My eyes are fixated on living fully loved by God and walking in the reality of who I am as an heir and uh, a priest and a king on this earth. Why? Because that's who I am. And that's who the world is waiting for you and I to grab so that we can put it on display to the world around us. Well, Brad, how do we do this? Well, let me read this. Proverbs 27.5 says, An open rebuke is better than secret love. And for a long time, I was instructed growing up that that meant that rebuking people openly was a great thing to do. But let's be honest. If I openly rebuked some of you right now in this place and said, please stand, how much value would that be to you? Zero. What this scripture is saying, that openly rebuking somebody in front of a bunch of people is as much value as secret love. Well, what's secret love? Love that is hidden, love that is not experienced, love that is not felt, it's concealed. It's got no value to us. And ultimately our self-worth and our value comes from God. We were created and designed to be loved by the one who is the ultimate lover. Is your ability to receive the love of God changing and why? Is it based on your effort? Is it based on your striving? Is it based on your church attendance or your tithe record? What is it based on? Is your ability to receive that love waning based on some activities in your life? I'm telling you, that's a roller coaster you get off. And you receive his love. Well, how can we do that, Brad? Well, here's one way. Relax in the relationship. Another word for that is surrender. Surrender involves relaxing. And I remember a long time ago, I'll explain it this way. Um, I, was, I, was on a, I was heading back from Germany, uh, a flight from Frankfurt to Oklahoma. And I remember that there wasn't enough room on the plane. And the uh, ticket agent uh, came to me and, and she's like, listen, sir, I'm sorry. Um, we don't have any more seats. I'm going to have to put you in first class. And I was like, do you, you, know, do you mind? Of course, like, no, do you mind if I kiss you? No. It's like, 
And, and I got on the plane, true story, and I'm sitting, sitting back and there's somebody else who had paid full price for their ticket and they are just being belligerent and rude and they are just, you know, going, going to town on the, the stewardess and everything that they needed. And I'm just sitting over there like, oh, look at me. And uh, what's the difference? Well, grace versus what was, you know, worked for. And it's such a parallel because, like, I'm sitting there just thankful for every second of every moment of this glorious flight. And this person over here, all that they could think about. And it's so, such a great picture because we often are in that place. But this ride, this first class upgrade to live fully loved by God and be a royal heir of God was purchased by the blood of Jesus, by the finished work of the cross. May we never think that we have done anything to earn this. Never. This ain't a reward. This is something that was given and grace to you and I. So relax. Here's what I need you to do this week. I need you to float in your pool. It's 140 degrees out right now. Well, why, Brad? Because you need to learn how to relax in the relationship. And floating is the best picture that I have for you practically to learn surrender. Putting your full weight back on someone or something. Float in your pool. You know what happens when you start to lift up, you sink. It's what happens when we start to do things in an effort to get God to, you know, like us more. It's not trusting and leaning back. Sit in your pool and just revel in the reality of how loved by God you are. Do it on a floaty. Do it on your back. Just do it. Because you need a visceral practice of this. And then second, after relaxing the relationship, rest in his delight. In his acceptance and his affection for you. 1 John 4, 16, we've known and believed the love that God has for us. Have you? God is love. And he who abides... In love abides in God and God in him. This is what God has for us, a love relationship. Psalms 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So let me ask you again, do you know how loved by God you are? Question, how much time this week did you spend receiving it? We all could enumerate how many hours we gave to victimization and anger and frustration and hurt and shame and abandonment. And if we were to enumerate it, we may be like, I spent about 24 hours and I listened to one song. I am going to tell you, the reality is this. What you'll put on display will be enumerated by how many hours you focused on how valuable and loved you are, you are by God. And if you look back at why you had so much angst, and so much clutter and chaos, it'll be because you became a victim of your environment. You became an orphan, a victim, a laborer trying to earn it, and this just isn't how it works. God's desire is that you and I would be an architect of our environment, that we would meditate, that we would focus our thinking, that we would think deeply, that we would spiritually daydream, if you will, about a father who has infinite, unconditional love for us, all right? So we receive his love, and then relax, rest, and then next, we give his love. Receive first, love second. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. This is why when you read 1 Corinthians 13, this isn't a love you can produce. It's a love you can't resist. And it is 
unbelievable that when you get this, God's greatest desire is to love people through you. He wants to love the broken, the hurting, the people who hold a a different political view than you or a different ideology because it is patient and kind. And it is only when we take inventory of how we have not been displaying this love that we recognize we haven't been being loved by God. We haven't been living loved by God. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life, the quality of life God possesses through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. I mean, how many of you here think that God has a a problem or, or, or Jesus came to solve the problem of sin? It's missing the point. The problem he came to solve was disconnection from God. God doesn't have a problem with sin because he has a son that he sacrificed. And if you think that God has a problem with sin, I can guarantee you this. You probably have a problem with sin too in your life. Why? Because you're focused on the wrong thing. Didn't say that any other time, but that was important. So here's how we give it back to him. First, we return it to him in response. By gratitude. Gratitude is the humanity's most underestimated devotional tool. It's, it's us not doing something out of duty, but devotion. We are thankful to him. God's not looking for our compliance. We're not obeying his obligation. We do it as devotion because we're in relationship. I grew up not hearing a lot about the love of God. I heard about me loving God. But now we're hearing a lot about how much God loves us. But the two go together. First, understand how much God loves you, enter into a love relationship with him, produce the love on this earth that God desires. That's the order. I can't love God if I don't understand how much God loves me. Also adoration, adoring him, gazing on his beauty. Like Psalmist said in Psalms 42, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Some of you don't know an intimate relationship and affection like that. And as a result of not understanding, just because you don't know it doesn't mean it's not available. You search it out and seek it out in physical intimacy and relationship when God has placed this relationship between you and him in such a way that you can practice and your heart begins to long for moments to be with him. And gaze. You know the difference is between observation and gazing, right? Observation is just information, just technical details. But gazing is when two lovers look across from each other and be like, my God. That's what God says. Gaze on the beauty of his holiness. How can we do this, Brad? You told me to float in the pool. What's next? Go for a walk. I didn't say take a hike, but you could do that too. Go for a walk. Well, why, Brad? Because literally in Scripture, literally, people are walking and talking with God. And I think this is missed by people. I mean, Adam and Eve, they walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. Abraham was 
was uh, instructed, get out, get out of uh, the country that you're familiar with and go to a land I will show you. How did he get there? He walked and talked with God. I am God Almighty, walk before me, Genesis 17, 1. Micah, that we all quote, 6 and 8, walk humbly with your God. I think, I think we miss this. I think some of us have spent so long inside having a relationship with God that we forget the practicality of Jesus often withdrawing to the wilderness and talking to God and praying. I don't know about you, but when I go outside and go for a walk, not with a podcast in, not with headphones in, not listening even to worship, just going out for 15, 30, 45 minutes. Some of the reasons why we don't hear the voice of God is because we actually don't practice talking to him. I'm going to invite you to go walk and talk with God. That's what follow me. That's what the words literally translate. When Jesus invited, walk after me. Go for a walk. Powerful points by Brad. Um, and then last, ref refresh others with his love. What happens is when you are living loved by God, you begin to respond to others in a wholly different way, which is how God designed these things. And when you get nasty emails and notes that are put on your car, you're able to respond in a different way. Ask me how I know. I spent the last, I don't know how many months, dealing with people who have been assaulted by clutter and chaos because of the climate of what's been going on in our world. I get it. I get it. And so in the reality, they have not been living loved by God. They've been living loved by other commentaries and messages. They've just been getting messages and they've been frustrated. It's okay. But what I start, started seeing come out of me was my ability to respond. You know what God likes about you? People telling me things or saying to us things that we should be doing. You know what God likes about you? You know how God sees you? That's, that's how God created us to respond to people. It's possible, friends. It is possible. And while I've only caught a glimpse and caught a measure, I believe that God is desiring that we catch the full expression of this perfect love inside of our hearts. Why? Because it does damage to the kingdom of darkness. It does damage to the kingdom of chaos and clutter that we see all around us. This moment in time, all this chaos that we're seeing, this is called by another name. And the God of the universe needs you to hear it. It's called opportunity. The only way we walk this out is by receiving and living fully loved by God and loving the hell out of people who are in chaos. That's how we do it. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. I want to read a word over you, and I just need you to receive today. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're saying, Brad, I, I am living loved by God, but just for a second, what percentage? 10% of you? 23%? 46%? I guarantee you it's not 100%. But we're here to grow and to develop just a little bit more, get another, another perspective. This is a devotion I experience daily, a prayer, a revelation, and I need you to hear the words. Here's the prayer. Here's, here it is. I want your eyes to be my mirror, God, to be my mirror. I want your eyes to tell me who I am. Your eyes. No more lies. No more lies. I can see. I can see me in your eyes. I am your delight. You're awakening beauty inside with your eyes. 
There is nothing that you can do that would make him love you more. There is also nothing you can do that would make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because that is what he is like. It's his nature to love and you will always be the beloved. His love is unchanging. He loves you 100%. He won't love you any better when you become better. He loves you 100% right now. Even if you have no plans to become better, he will still love you 100% because he loves you because that's the way he is. Even if you don't want to change, he will love you 100%. Even if you have no plans to walk with him, he will love you 100%. Because that's his nature. He loves all the way, all the time. His love is unchanging. What will change is your ability to receive his love. And I challenge you, open your heart to him. Open your heart to him and you'll receive more of his love than you've ever experienced before. I dare you to open your heart to him. Give him your heart. Give him whatever your obstacle is. He'll take it. He loves you 100% as you are right in this moment. He loves you as you are. So be loved. You are the beloved. It's your job to be loved outrageously. It's why he chose you. It's why he set his love upon you, that you would live as one who is outrageously loved, that you would receive a radical love, so radical it will blow all your paradigms, perspectives of what you think love is. And no, he will love you outrageously all the days of your life. Would you stand on your feet? It's unbelievable. Are you... Are you at least catching a glimpse? Like, this is unbelievable. This is what you're supposed to walk in. What you and I are supposed to walk in daily and experience. And I've, I've asked Wes to just sing something over you. If it, just for a second, just to pause yourself. This is really big. This is, this is the essence of all that he is. Don't rush out of here. But listen to the words that he is about to sing over you, all right? Just to put an exclamation point. Wes? Lord, you see me through the eyes of your love. And you've made me yours with your blood. With my heart to give, wanting nothing more than to be with you in this place. Cause you have made me holy. You have made me worthy and you say I am yours and you are mine and you have made me your own now I don't stand alone now I say
ministry team to come down front and I don't know what you have to do today but what you just experienced is the essence and fullness of what needs to take place every day even so for some of you who are like I got I got it. lunch plans or I got whatever is settle yourself receive his love settle yourself connect to this it'll change everything about your life ask me how I know because it's changing and changed so many things in my life and I'm still getting this so I'm going to encourage you invite you if you need prayer maybe you're here and you know like you just you you have struggled in this area or the difficulties of hurt and shame have caused you to struggle with this message it's unbelievable it is it's unbelievable wait you consider you made me holy you made me righteous no 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 that's not me I get it but it's that Incredible. That's what this message is about. Don't leave here without a human being being able to pray with you and help you to feel and understand in a human form that you're not alone. If you don't have a relationship with God and what you heard today, you've never understood that or grasped the reality that God sent his son so that you and he could have an incredible love relationship. Come pray with somebody. Don't wait. You don't have anything more important to do. Nothing is more important than this relationship. Let me pray a prayer of blessing, and then you can be dismissed. Father, thank you for every person here. Pray our eyes would be open, our hearts would be open. I'm not sure what percentage we are right now, or even where I am, Lord. I just know it's grown. My perspectives have changed, my mindset, my language. But God, would you keep showing us, though on this side of heaven, we'll never fully grasp it. But God, we want to know how wide, how high, how deep your love is for us, so that we might, become the sons and daughters of God and put this on display to the world because they're thirsty and desperate for it. Fill our hearts, fill our souls, God. Allow us to be trophies of grace and leave this place, change the world, and invite some kids to Heroes Academy. In Jesus' name, amen. You saw I threw that in there. All right, if you need prayer, come down front. We'd love to pray with you. We'll stay as long as you need us to. For the rest of you, thank you so much for being here. Have an awesome week. Live loved by God completely. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.